0: Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau.
1: Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us for part two of what has turned out to be a great three-part interview with Jane Badcock. Now, Jane has been a volunteer for over 12 years, serving the veterans in her home state of Wisconsin, but also helping others nationwide. I mean, through her volunteer training and guidance with one-on-one virtual calls, live and podcast interviews, in-person group and virtual classes, Jane has been on the forefront of helping veterans navigate the mazes of bureaucracy, especially inside the VA. Amen. Her mission is to educate every veteran and their families and their widows or widowers on the benefits which... The VA seems very happy just to keep a secret. Amen. Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. You know what I'm talking about. If you missed the prior episode, you need to go back and catch up. Jane was sharing some very important information that, well, we just don't have time to go back and cover again. Amen. So go back, listen to part one, in addition to this episode and the next episode. Yes, a three-part interview discussing how you can get your claims approved with the VA. This is very important for our veterans out there and their families. Amen. All right. Let's rejoin this interview now with Jane Babcock. Amen. Now, you published a LinkedIn article that discusses just a few of the the cases in which you intervened. And one of the stories about a Marine with over 25 years of service, fully qualified for retirement, but they're going to put him on retired reserve due to surgeries that happened just prior to his retirement date. Can you briefly explain that situation for us and how you intervened and what the result was?
2: Yes. That young man's first name is Robert also, and he had served six years in the Marine Corps, six active duty years, and then came home. He had been overseas twice to the sandbox. Unfortunately, he had been involved in IED. He did have a jaw injury, and he'd actually had surgery in the Corps to work on his jaw, and they had actually had to place a small artificial piece into his jaw to get things lined back up. And he decided that that was enough. Well, he went home and and like most of us, he missed that camaraderie, that family. And he looked around, went in the reserves, but the only thing local was army. And guess what? He got deployed again. (laughs) (laughs) So he did two more deployments with that reserve unit within like four years and said, okay, I've had I'm just going to give it up and go back to uniform. And he took an active guard and reserve position as a recruiter. And he, like myself, I did a recruiting tour, really enjoyed meeting the younger generation and talking about their dreams and hopes and expectations and how they were going to achieve these things. And so he stayed on recruiting quite a long time. Well, recruiting, they send you for your physical a year before. Well, between all of his prior injuries progressing over the years, he went down to Fort Knox, got his physical. They said, oh, you're good to go. You know, you're going to retire. You don't have any active disease like cancer or anything where we need to keep you in. And he went back up to his recruiting station. And during that time, he was injured while remodeling his home. Now, people will say, well, he wasn't on duty when he got hurt. Yes, he was. When you're on active duty, active, you are on active. duty 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. So his injuries, when he stepped between floor joists on the second floor of the house and half of him went through the floor or ceiling, depending <laughs> on how you look at it, and tore up his hip and had previously injured his shoulder and then re-injured it. So he ended up needing all these surgeries between the exit physical and his actual departure. Well, he came in on a Thursday because someone said, hey, the lady up in the next county is a really good veteran service officer and go see her. Well, he walked in and I said, your orders say you're going to the retired reserves. And he goes, yeah, I've got 20 plus in the Army Reserves. And I said, no, no, no. You've got 27 years because you've got six years in in the Marine Corps. So we're going to get this fixed. It took a lot of phone calls (laughs) to the Pentagon. And I finally got to a Lieutenant Colonel Tomko. What a wonderful person. She was in the medcom and she took it to her boss's desk. And he said, where's the evidence of the surgeries? Because we can put him in with just these surgeries. We don't have to worry about the prior cheek and head. Stuff so they went or excuse me, they called me on Friday and said, Tell him there will be 2 eight e8 standing at transition point, and they will take care of him and they took him across post, rescinded the transfer orders, took him downtown, had a doctor do a quick physical. they sent that back to the Pentagon, and at eight o'clock that night that young man was retired. On active duty, full retirement, with full benefits. And for him, that meant health care for his kids. That was his biggest concern. He was a single dad, and he wanted to make sure that he had coverage for his kids. Amen. Amen. So he got his full retirement. He got his VA disability. I did the paperwork for that, and we put it on an expedite request based on financial hardship. A lot of people don't know you can request expedite under financial or medical need. And then he filed a course for his social security because he had put his money into that pot. Mm-hmm. So he and his children are fine.
1: Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. And, and you, know, you were also able to help some Marines who were stationed at or working at uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina from way back in the fifties up to the 1980s. Explain what that was all about and how people that worked there during that time could still be impacted.
2: Yes. Unfortunately, you know, back in the 50s, they didn't understand trichloroethylene and all these other exotic chemicals, and they were dumping them into the ground. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they went into the water tables and came right back out the taps onto post, mm-hmm. both on Fort Bre- or Camp Lejeune, and the surrounding area. Now, the government isn't liable for the entire area because these chemicals were both dumped off post and on post by all sorts of manufacturers and such. But the on post, whether you were a family member, a child conceived there, or veterans serving there, a reservist that came for summer camps or anything like that, you are entitled to benefits under a list of presumptive illnesses. Mm. And again, that list is part of the presumptive list. So if a person walks into a VSO office or files it directly with VA, which I don't recommend you do that. I always recommend you use a VSO. They are accredited and trained and they attend training every year to make sure those claims go in right. Mm. But there's a laundry list of illnesses And if it's filed, the veteran is entitled to receive compensation. He's entitled to receive free health care for the conditions. The family is entitled to health care for those conditions. So get with a VSO from 53 to 87 on Camp Lejeune. Unfortunately, the water was toxic.
1: Yeah. I'm very familiar with Tricol. Uh, We use that when I was in radars. That was our cleaning solvent for Inside the vans and everything. So
2: Yes, yeah, okay, and man. people will say, "Well, what if I wasn't there, but I have this condition?" Well, if you were exposed to the chemicals, such as jet fuel, mm-hmm. one of my young men uh, refu- did refueling and stuff, and more than once he was exposed to situations where his boots were wet from the jet fuel,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and he worked, you know, a couple hours and never thought of, twice of it. But over the years, he started having tingling in his feet. Mm. Well, it got pretty severe. And he also started having all sorts of migraines and things like this. Well, they went and did the tests and realized that his chemical exposure was what was causing the nerves in his feet to die. And also as a side effect, the the migraine. So he was able to, we were able to service connect both Mm. of those. Wow. And so all of his care, medicines, therapy, everything else is totally free through the VA. And he receives compensation. And as he ages because of his degree of injury and such like that, and it's progressive, eventually, if he needs nursing home care, they'll pay for it.
1: Amen. 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 And, and this just doesn't apply to older vets out there. I mean, I've seen news reports of, of how those who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan and were afflicted by you know the pit burns and, and things like that. Can you share a little bit about those benefits that those vets are entitled to?
2: Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, burn pits often had materials in them that weren't supposed to be in them. You're not supposed to throw computers and old radios and things like this into a burn pit. But you and I both know it's efficient to get rid of things like that rather than mm-hmm. to try and ship them back or take them to some place to be recycled or things like that. Yep. So those things went into the burn pits. And unfortunately, you have to think about it. There's lead from solder. There's mercury in some of the tubes. There's just the plastic containers themselves that those electronics come in. And, of course, human waste. And those are a recipe for disaster when you burn them, especially if you're downwind. Mm -hmm. And now there are four accepted respiratory illnesses and there are nine cancers. And that list will grow, unfortunately. Right now, the most noticeable is the respiratory. But as we age and things develop in our bodies, and it may take years for this little tiny cell of cancer to become a full-blown cancer. Yeah. That's the other reason why being in the VA is so important. As a veteran, especially from a cluster of veterans, the VA is going to see numbers. Gee, look at all these guys that served during peacetime that don't have this or didn't serve on this particular base and don't have this. And it's one in every thousand. But yet the guys that served on that base are 18 to out of every thousand yeah. or we're exposed to this, our 18 to every thousand. That's where they get these numbers Amen. and start doing the research. So Amen. please, if you're a veteran, participate in that once annual physical every year. Let them know where you were stationed and things like that so that they can start watching for things. And if you are a veteran and be are diagnosed in the civilian world with any significant ongoing progressive illness, such as a cancer, such as a neurological disease or anything like that, please go to the VA and become, I hate to say it, but a guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Let them get that information from you because what you're doing may help another veteran.
1: Amen. Amen. And it's just not the veterans that are impacted, but their families. And some of these veterans progress to the point where their spouses or family has to become their caregivers and share some of the things the VA has available for caregivers of these veterans.
2: Yes. If a veteran does develop illnesses or has injuries where their spouse or family member or someone else that's close to them is helping them with things like daily tasks of living, they can't get their own shoes on. They are not necessarily having to physically bathe the person, but that person can't get in and out of the bathtub without someone either physically assisting them or being very close by so they don't slip and fall. Um, Then, or they're monitoring their medication or they're driving them to and from doctor's appointments because they're sick from their cancer treatment, Mm -hmm. things like that. If it's related to the service then the VA is going to provide limited hours of in-home care, but they're also going to pay that caregiver. There's a mm-hmm. caregiver stipend. There's a caregiver's group. They, they get together, they talk, they inform each other of what's going on. There's classes through the VA to teach them all the things they need to do as your veterans on disease unfortunately progresses, you may have to attend to a colostomy bag, or you may have to do feed, excuse me, feeding tubes. Mm. So the VA will set up classes for you to learn how to do these oh. things.
1: Yeah. Amen.
2: The Amen. quality of life, and there's respite care. That's a big thing for caregivers. The ability to leave the house for four hours or so and do the grocery shopping and other shopping and not have to worry because you know there's a trained person there at the house to take care of your veteran.
1: Yeah, that's important.
2: Is so important. Or being able to go to that niece's wedding out of town Mm -hmm. because your veteran is temporarily a resident in a nursing home Mm -hmm. that the VA is paying for. So you know they're being cared for well, they're being fed, and everything else.
1: Yeah.
2: And you can relax mentally for a little while. That's can be such a life-giving measure for a caregiver.
1: You, we, this is several years ago. I can't remember the exact year, but there was a big report about the condition of some of the veterans' nursing homes. Has that improved any of
2: it? Oh, yes, dramatically. And, you know, even if you do come across a bad situation, report it. Uh, now, like our veteran homes here in the state of Wisconsin, they have to go through the inspections. They have one inspection that's scheduled every year, but they also have inspections that aren't scheduled. And they get a star rating, just like every other assisted living or nursing home. Okay. So Amen. you can ask for that data. You can say, I want to see a report for the last three years that tells me any defects or failures that you had on the part of care for veterans. amen. Any family member considering placing a family member should ask for those for whatever assisted living, whatever nursing home you're going through. Mm. You have the right to see that information and what they did to fix it.
1: Amen. Amen. Uh, You assist veterans with applying to the VA for these and other benefits. Why shouldn't they just apply on their own? What's the benefit of using someone like you?
2: Okay. Well, now, first and foremost, I am no longer accredited because I am retired. Hmm. So I can't actually represent a veteran with their claim. I can't file it for them, but I can get them to a person that is still accredited. I bet you can. every year. <laughs> most often they're a veteran
1: Amen. and
2: they have to take a test. They have to get cleared by the VA. They get, you know, the background check kind of thing done and they have access to that claim file electronically. So, First and foremost, that accredited veteran service officer, whether they work for your county, because 32 states have county representatives, or they work for your state, which many of the rest do, state level or regional type veteran service officers, or they belong to the VFW, the AMVETs, the other organizations. Those people are trained, cleared, tested, and all that good stuff. They have access. What that means is they know what 38 code of federal regulation, that's the regulation that governs the VA. They know whether or not you're eligible for certain benefits based on when, where, and how long you served type of thing. So they're going to sit down with you and they'll go through these things. They'll give you a brochure that gives you a little bit of information on each one. And then they'll say, okay, not down the road, These are the things you may become eligible for, such as the pension program. And they will say, okay, now, when you were in service, any injuries or illnesses that are still giving you trouble today, or do you have scars from something that you had done? Oh, I have a scar. You can't see it, but it's on my neck. And it's from spinal surgery Mm. from when I was in service. So that scar, because it's visible in the average day clothing wear, is rated now if that scar were huge and ugly and itchy and all that other stuff it's rateable Mm. if it's anywhere where the average day's clothing wear isn't going to show it and it's not uncomfortable then they rate it only at zero percent based on the idea that perhaps scar tissue will build up underneath it And then you may need surgery for that. So we're going to rate it zero so that if you do need surgery, the VA is going to pay for it. Amen. Amen. Okay. So they're going to go through the whole process of finding out your exposures and everything. And then they're going to say, okay, let's write these things down. Oh, you jumped off the back of a deuce and a half on a convoy and twisted your knee, but you didn't go to TMC. You just did what they would do, ice packs and, and Motrin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. But that knee has constantly given you trouble over the last 40 years. You've changed jobs. You stopped playing softball. Uh, you gave up riding your Harley. Let's get witnesses. So find the guys that you served with that can say, yeah, he jumped off the back of the deuce in a half, twisted his knee, hobbled around for three days. We were giving him all of our Motrin and he was putting ice packs on it and maybe it was purple or whatever. And then family members or, or employers that could say, yeah, we had to modify his job because he couldn't do the stooping and bending anymore. Um, He stopped playing on the company softball team, you know, all the things that show it was a Mm -hmm. chronic detractor from the quality of life. And so Then the VA can say, yes, we see the initial injury, and yes, we see that it affected the impact of uh, the quality of your life, so we can rate it. How much loss of range of motion, uh, how much crepitus is in there, things like that, and say that's a rateable injury initiated in service. So it doesn't have to necessarily be service medical records. I was blessed. With achieving finding a Marine that saved my Army veteran in Korea. Mm. He had been in a field hospital after being shot. The field hospital was overrun and demolished, blown apart. Mm. He was stuck in the frozen rubble for a day and a half. A group of Marines came in, unburied all the guys, warmed him back up, got him back to his unit. About 15 years ago, he walked into my office using two four-pointed canes because he was getting to the point where his frostbite nerve damage was up to his knees, and he was afraid he wasn't going to be able to walk at all pretty soon. So he asked me if the VA could possibly give him a scooter. Mm. I went and posted stuff on the internet, on the different Marine Corps sites, the name of the unit. I tried Googling some names he remembered, things like this. And I posted a message up there. And six months later, I had a Marine call me up and say, I think I'm one of the guys you're looking for.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: So he wrote a letter explaining what he saw and how you know he knew Jim and all this other stuff. And the VA said, yep, your frostbite came from Korea. Wow. Amen. And he went from never having used VA to 100% service connected. and That scooter just delighted him.
1: Amen. Amen. What about funeral benefits? Do VA counselors help with those also?
2: Yes. Yes, yes, yes. In many places, the veteran service officer is the one that's actually ordering the flags for the funeral homes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Keeping track, the funeral home provides them a form saying, we just had service for this veteran. And they order another flag. So they keep a stock in. But. They help the veterans receive their flag. They also order the presidential memorial certificate, thanking them from our nation for their service. They will also help the widows apply for any benefit that they're entitled to. If a veteran is receiving VA compensation, then the VA will provide a small funeral stipend, just like the Social Security one, Mm -hmm. on top of the Social Security one. And then they will also apply when there is a connection between the death of the veteran and their service-related injuries or illnesses. So, if a veteran's death is contributed to by their military service, Mm -hmm. then they're entitled to a $2,000 burial stipend. And they're also entitled to what's called DIC, Dependent Indemnity Compensation. And that's where so much of what I was talking about earlier with Nemer comes into play, or even other periods of service. If a veteran died of ALS or died due to the complications of ALS, that is the one presumptive that covers all generations of veterans.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: Every three people that get it, generally two are veterans. Mm. And since it's so much more prevalent in our community. Yeah. The VA recognizes it. So if a widow comes in and says, my veteran died of ALS 12 years ago. Well, it was 11 years ago that they put it on the list. So she didn't know. Mm. She's now entitled to DIC.
1: Amen.
2: Unfortunately, she can't get any of the back pay. Uh, but going forward, yeah. that $1,800 a month can be very yeah. significant.
1: Amen. Amen. Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for this portion of a great interview with Jane Babcock, helping our veterans and their families out with some great information concerning VA benefits. Now, if you're a veteran or the wife or husband of a veteran, even if the veteran is deceased, you need to click the links down below and see what benefits you may qualify for. There may be something there you've been missing out on. Now, it's a shame that this great nation that's promised our veterans to take care of them in exchange for the danger of military service just wants to say no to everything, but that seems like that's their default to answer except for the most obvious claims. No. Denied. Then you have to jump through all the hoops to prove them wrong. Well, that's where Jane Babcock and others just like her will come in to help you win the battle for your benefits. Amen? Be sure to come back for the conclusion of this great interview with Jane Babcock in the next episode. Till then, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do.